Welcome to Heart of the Matter. Friday, second Friday of the month on KKNW. Uh, my name is Gretchen Krampf and I am coming to you live from the Mermaid Lounge on beautiful Orcas Island. Um, I want to acknowledge that Orcas is in the heart of the Salish Sea and it's the traditional lands of Lummi and Samish and Swinomish. And I feel really honored to be um, a 32 year person who's been able to be on this land and uh, sharing time. I've got a beautiful collection of women joining me today for a conversation that is gonna take us to an edge. Um, but that's what Heart of the Matter is about. It's really talking about things that matter. And um, talking about death and dying is one of those things that, that matters deeply, deeply to me. So a um, bit of context here. Um, when I started to think about how I wanted to live my life, um, it's one of the things that motivated me to, to leave a very busy suburban, urban East Coast life and come to live on an island in the Pacific Northwest. I really felt called to um, raising my kids in a place of nature, and I wanted to be in community. And I found it here. I also was feeling called to be in a place where um, health and well-being was uh, highly held values in community as well. Um, so when I got here, I was really happy to have the Healing Arts Center, which gave us a place for massage and Reiki and uh, counseling and circle. Um, Orcas Island had a very early uh, strong hospice movement, which now seems very familiar to us, but 40 years ago, um, hospice was a new concept in American culture. And um, part of my root story is when I was in my early 30s, um, my third brother was diagnosed with HIV and it was in 1987, which is an early bout in time to be um, HIV positive. And he was 32 and he died of AIDS in 1992. So in my 30s, I had a journey through an illness that we didn't know very much about, a governmental response that was confusing, conflicted, and challenging, um, experimental protocols, and a lot of shame and ostracizing because of the number of gay people who were inflicted with HIV AIDS. So that was my proving ground as a younger, and I've been in this presencing of how we hold ourselves through diagnosis, through disease, through reframing um, death as not a failure, but it's a journey that we're all on because all living things will die. So it's been decades of me holding um, the space and, um, and now we're in, in a COVID time. 
And in the last two years, I've walked with my mother to the edge of her crossing at 90. Mm -hmm. And I've walked with my favorite aunt at 92, walking to the edge at 92, which was, her crossing was uh, a year ago this week. Um, but on our little island where we have fewer than 6,000 people, um, we walk a lot of people to the edge together. And um, many of those women um, have been part of my social circle. They have been healers on the island and teachers and gardeners. And um, I've journeyed with them. And in the death doula training that we hosted at Hartwood House, um, we kind of opened a space where those conversations could happen. So that's how I'm really wanting to step into this conversation with all of us today is by opening a space, holding a space where um, Mika Neenan and Judy Kinney and Morgan Yarborough can bring their perspectives in the places where they work and serve um, those who are dealing with death and dying. So I'm gonna just take a deep breath here and invite everybody to settle in, get their feet on the ground, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. And because we're living, we'll breathe out again. I'm gonna start us with a Mary Oliver poem. When death comes like the hungry bear in autumn, when death comes and takes all the bright coins from his purse to buy me and snaps the purse shut, when death comes like the measle pox, when death comes, like an iceberg between the shoulder blades. I want to step through the door full of curiosity, wondering what is it going to be like, that cottage of darkness? And therefore I look upon everything as a brotherhood and a sisterhood, and I look upon time as no more than an idea. And I consider eternity as another possibility. And I think of each life as a flower, as common as a field daisy, and as singular, and each name a comfortable music in the mouth, tending, as all music does, towards silence. And each body a lion of courage and something precious to the earth. When it's over, I want to say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I have made of my life something particular and real. I don't want to find myself sighing and frightened or full of arguments. I don't want to end up simply having visited this world. 
So I'm going to invite my dear friend, Anamika Neenan, to join me in this conversation. Um, as she's a woman of great service and great soul. Mika, welcome. So we've been on this shared journey for a long time, my dear. And um, I have watched you bring your service into form, caring for people on our island, caring for people actually across the globe. Um, Tell me, tell me what, what has called you to do this work for as many years as you have? Um, I just think it's, an, uh, I was caregiving for my grandmother from the age of about 13. She was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and we home cared for her. Um, and went through that for 10 years. And um, this was back in the 80s into the 90s. And then, um, so my teens, 20s. And then in my teens and 20s, there was a lot of personal loss of friends. And um, one in particular that really hit me and I couldn't make sense of suffering anymore. And, um, and so I needed answers. And so I, there was a hospice in my hometown, Ipswich Hospice, and they ran a um, volunteer hospice aid training program. It was six months and um, it gave you all the insight into death and dying. And so working at the hospice and volunteering and going to the morgue and going to um, the funeral um, places and seeing every step of the journey and how that went. And then um, after doing that and volunteering and doing some, going through a lot of personal stuff, I ended up being counseled by Lifeline um, Counseling Service and then ended up being asked to join their counseling team and doing their volunteer um, counseling brief counseling course and that ended up with being trained on their 24-hour suicide hotline and so I did the graveyard shift that was interesting and from there um, I not long later maybe a year and a half later I landed on Orcas Island and so I thought that was kind of it and I was working in autism and other things at that time that was just my what I was doing in service to my community. So I came here, sorry, and um, I actually just started um, gardening for people. And then from that, it moved into, can you help with some house cleaning? And then it moved into caretaking. And then it met, moved into hospice. And that seemed to be the theme for a few years, quite a few years before I actually got involved mm -hmm. with the hospice team here on AUKUS and I'm called to do it because it's part of being community and it's the most challenging but the most rewarding thing you can do is to walk somebody home mm -hmm. and nobody should be alone and um, nobody should be scared and so um, and it's just it's my passion and um, I yeah and 
I have just walked my best friend home um, who lived in Australia and she just crossed over two days ago. So it's all even more personal right now. Um, but God, I learned so much about being present even when you can't be present. Mm. And um, how many things were able to be answered for her even though I wasn't sitting by her side as I wanted to be. And I would have been, <laughs> I've had quite a journey here and I only actually just got legal in this country um, a little less than a year ago. And so, um, and the funny thing about that is after 19 years, the only thing that could stop me going home was a pandemic. And so I wasn't able to be home for her transition just because of the laws back home regarding going home. So it was a really hard pill to swallow to not be there for mm -hmm. her. But she taught me so much about how I can be there even more and even present and not have to be sitting by somebody's side and helping the family around. And I think that's a big thing for me about hospice is it doesn't end with the person crossing. You know, yeah. you've still got the family and the friends or family, as I like to say, and they're dealing with it. And the more you can do before helps ease the things afterwards which is having as much information and knowledge as possible about your rights about what's available <laughs> as Gretchen knows I'm a huge supporter of Recompose I have been from the day I met Katrina <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I, so yeah Mika I want to I want to take a moment and I really want to um honor you being with us today and um, Annie's passing. Um, you did this from a great distance and you spoke to how we can care even if we aren't physically there, but you care energetically across time and space. Part of what I've seen you bring and you and your husband, Sky, is caring for people who choose to die with dignity the ability to be present to someone's choice. And we're living in dynamic times around choice. Can you share a little bit with us about um, what's special about that or what do people need to know and do in order to prepare their families and themselves for making a decision? Um, you know, you need to know all the timing and all the loops and everything you need to go through and, and all that ahead of time, obviously. But you, I guess one thing I want people to know more of is how important it is to have things sorted ahead of that date and understanding and appreciating and honouring what it takes for a person to say no that's enough and to get up in the morning of the date they've chosen to go without pain medication and anything else that they've been using then to swallow you know and go through this process and choosing to like it's so humbling and it's such an amazing experience to see somebody take all the steps and to see the family, you know, 
either around or not around, depending on how a person chooses. I've, you know, we've seen it here on Orcas, Orcas where people have chosen big sort of bringing all their family together and everything and big celebration days or whatever before they choose to leave. And other people I've been with where it's just them, maybe their partner mm -hmm. or daughter or something. Um, but they, to go through that whole process and, and yeah, I, um, uh, <laughs> it, it I don't know that I have the words because like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. It, so we're going to, we're going to actually uh, on that, I'm going to ask us to, um, we're going to step away, take a bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Judy Kinney from end of life, Washington with us. Um, and so I think what you're leading us into, she'll have some really good information to share. So hang on. We'll be back in a couple of minutes on KKNW. This is Gretchen, Mika, Judy, and Morgan on Heart of the Matter. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com. That's T-R-U health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Tune in every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. for the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer. Learn from and be inspired by local leaders, thinkers, and problem solvers who are tackling the sustainable living questions through invention, collaboration, and hard work. This lively and thought-provoking show focuses on tangible, practical measures that we can all take to reduce our carbon footprint and rethink how we relate to the resources of our natural world. Don't forget, that's the Sustainability Sessions with host Rebecca Sayer, every third Friday on Lift Your Spirits Radio at 8 a.m. It's time to have a difficult conversation with teenagers. It's time to talk about suicide. At the Teen Suicide Prevention Society, we're here to help you have the talk that stops suicidal thoughts from getting stuck in their heads. Our online program helps you suicide-proof teens. Apply for this free program today at TalksThatSaveLives.com. There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150KKNW.com. Welcome back. This is Gretchen. Mika, Judy, and Morgan, and we are 
having a heartfelt conversation about death and dying, but from a place that's full of heart and soul and a focus on living well. So when we left, uh, Mika was talking about things to be thinking about um, if you are choosing to um, your exit strategy, as I say. And um, End of Life Washington is an organization that Judy is the executive director of. And I'm really happy that she's joining us today. Judy Kinney, welcome to Heart of the Matter. Thanks, Gretchen. It's wonderful to be here this morning. So tell us a bit about what End of Life Washington does and um, how that can help this conversation and what people might want to be thinking about. Good. Thank you so much. So, boy, uh, so End of Life Washington is, we're a nonprofit organization um, with a host of volunteers and a variety of roles, really here to uphold Washingtonians' right to a full range of end of life choices and we're you know we focus on three areas so there's you know i think we're a, a model within the uh, end of life choices movement where we focus on advocacy which is really about increasing access to uh, end of life choices and although washington has been on the forefront of um, you know, end of life choices, rights, um, like access to, uh, choices is always a battle that we're fighting. And, um, so that continues, um, support, um, and that includes bedside support, um, when people, um, are choosing, um, to die, via, you know, medical aid and dying, voluntary stopping eating and drinking. Um, we have volunteers who are bedside um, and supporting individuals and their families, as well as um, we support providers um, and, and how to, um, who are supportive of end of life choices, such as we said, and medical aid and dying to support their patients. And education, so always increasing awareness around choices and what's happening. Um, so those are the three areas that we focus on. Um, we've been doing this work um, really, at, like you said, uh, Gretchen, out of those uh, early days of the AIDS crisis mm -hmm. um, and, and really just have evolved through those years uh, to who we are today. So we have 70 volunteers, um, volunteer client advisors, um, just, you know, throughout the state of Washington, we have um, about 15 ambassadors who are trainers um, and help increase awareness through a campaign called End of Life Ready. Um, we have a team of, uh, we have a public policy and law committee where we're always uh, working with our legislature um, and hospital administrators to increase access. So we're, um, we're a, I guess, a, I feel like we're a mighty force of uh, volunteers and advocates. And, uh, you know, we're partnering with 
palliative care institutes and uh, death doulas and just folks who care about what it's like to, to die in Washington State. Amazing. Uh, you know, I, I first became familiar with your work um, as far as the education and you've got phenomenal resources on your websites. Um, and we'll give all those uh, email addresses and websites in our show notes. Um, but the documents that you have available for people to inventory their choices, to think and talk about what they value and um, understanding what V said, voluntarily stopping eating and drinking means and how to go about that or how to have a um, do not resuscitate order. I mean, there's so many different materials available through your organization that I think you're a phenomenal resource and your volunteers will be doing some online groups to help people get their documents in order because it's a be ready kind of situation. And to what Mika was talking about, to someone who is on the ground and uh, serving folks, you're a resource to folks like Mika as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Now, I think one of the challenges that we've seen in the other place and maybe, you know, with your annual meeting coming up, you could talk a bit about that. And um, <laughs> with hospitals being um, purchased by faith organizations and then the challenges that that puts up against um, medically assisted death uh, choices, um, you guys are, are really taking that forward as well. Yeah, we are. So thanks for bringing it up. So we do have an annual meeting on October 16th from 1030 to noon. I'm really excited about our speakers for that event, really focusing on, you know, deepening our work in the present moment, you know, with our existing priorities and also thinking ahead, you know, so those are things that we need to do. And, and one of our keynote speakers is uh, Insurance Commissioner Mike Kreidler, who recently uh, was connected to us. His twin brother, Peter, um, lived in Kitsap County and um, went and talked with his provider. He had a terminal illness and was talking to his provider and said, I want to access medical aid in dying. And just as you mentioned around restricted, you know, medical institutions, his doctor said, um, I can't help you. And whether that was because of the rules of his institution or his personal belief, he just said, I can't help you. And that was really the end of the story. You know, there was no referral. There was no like, let me pass you off to someone who can help you. There was this dying man um, with his trusted physician who was left on his own and um, fortunately um, was able to find our services and we were able to connect him with uh, physicians who were supportive and could support him in his process. And so it just so happened that his twin brother is the insurance commissioner for the state of Washington and has some influence over access. And so the commissioner is going to be talking about that, you know, his, his personal experience and his professional experience. So 
Um, I think that's going to be really moving. And then we're also really excited to have uh, Dr. Sunil Agarwal, who is a palliative care uh, physician with the Ames Institute in Seattle. And um, Dr. Agarwal is going to talk about why psychedelic assisted therapy needs to be a part of well-being options for end of life and uh, in palliative care amongst other needs such as paid family medical care, caregiver long-term care support and other needs. So there is those very practical um, systems level needs that really set up the conversation around well-being. And so I like that direction that we're heading in where we're really centering well-being at end of life, which is what we're about. I don't know that we've named it in that way. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. And also linking just primary supports that, um, you know, people, the public need. So I'm excited about that and excited about the direction that we're headed in. Judy, that's really great to hear. I know, again, I mean, the West Coast is seen as progressive, what Oregon and Washington have been doing and um, continue to do. But the advocacy um, for reducing trauma or addressing trauma is so key right now and, and throughout the life spectrum. So well-being, and we know that it's not just the person who is diagnosed and dying that's impacted. So as you say, it's systemic and being able to support the family and have outreach to the community and educate on the variety of choices and to be able to stand and live in choice and die in choice. Thank you. Thank you for the good work that you're doing. Thank you. So the um, upcoming annual meeting will be on Zoom or is it in person? It'll be on Zoom, which we did last year. And, you know, it's one of those, I think many of us are finding a benefit um, of, of the pandemic is, uh, you know, it really has showed us how to really increase our access. Um, so we expect a couple hundred people on that. And if people are interested in that, um, you know, it's easy to register. It's free on our website. Okay. So on the website, free to register on Zoom. And um, I think too, being part of your, your mailing list, um, I've appreciated the calls to action when there's legislative yes. things to pay attention to. Good. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for saying that. We just have increased our ability to do that. And Last year, we had um, a bill that really is about um, increasing access to medical aid in dying. You know, Washington was a leader, you know, around death with dignity, capital death with dignity, um, way back. And, you know, we, there's, um, with the experience of many states and including our own, um, upcoming states who are adopting laws related to medical aid and dying, like in New Mexico, California just had an uh, upgrade, that uh, we need to do that as well. Because when you're dying, um, 
we should make, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be checking off boxes and having things to do. I want to be spending time with my family, my loved ones. I want to be wrapping up my life. Um, I don't want to be checking off a to-do list because I don't do that so well when I'm living, you know, I don't want to be doing it on my way out. You know, I want to be like paying attention to what matters. And I think that we've demonstrated over all these years, what a safe, ethical, conscientious um, medical choice, you know, medical aid and dying is. And, and we have an obligation um, to our loved ones and our neighbors to um, support them in their choice. It's about choice. It really it's about is. choice. Yep. Yeah. So um, maybe you can help our listeners understand how much time does it really take to get your paperwork in order? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, you know, ballpark, if they were to choose to like tick those boxes now and get this organized and share with their loved ones what their intentions are going to take them hours, sure. days, I, weeks. I think there's a couple different processes to it. Um, Gretchen, because one, you can go in and fill out the boxes and be done. And you can do that in, you know, a relatively um, short time. But it really is in the conversations um, that is really where the power and the importance is. And so it's important for people to understand, you know, I had a conversation recently if was going in for just a basic um, procedure and, you know, reminded my friend who was taking me, I'm like, I'm DNR. And I, you know, like you, you know, here's my paperwork. I have my copies and I knew her values. And I'm just like, you need to go against your instincts right? because her instincts would be to keep me alive by any means. And I was like, nope, <laughs> those, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's in the conversations that is a for me it's just a constant com it's constant conversation so you can go in you can get your basic um directives done you know you can do it yourself you can do you know people who have resource can talk with their attorneys it doesn't have to take a long time but it's an it's an investment in life and i think the conversations are what matters and I know it took me a long time to talk through things. Um, and I wanted to do that in a group setting. I wanted to hear from others. I wanted to know what others were doing. I wanted to talk about what I was doing. Um, that's the part that takes longer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, for me, that's the beautiful part and um, where where it's it's worth it and it's it's it, those are courageous conversations because we're not taught how to do that and you know just to kind of sneak it in here is I love those courageous conversations so why do I do this work is I love to talk about the things we're not supposed to talk about so I love exactly. you know religion politics and death you know like that's those are, nor- <laughs> those are normal you know like let's talk about them so because I think for me, I think like when we talk about things, we're able to remove the, those oppressive beliefs. 
Right. When we can so talk about things, we can remove those oppressive beliefs. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold us right here so okay. that we can go to break and then we'll come back and we'll continue this conversation because uh, we've got Morgan Yarborough from Recompose.life coming up, which adds another layer into this very rich conversation. So this is Gretchen Kroff and um, we're on KKNW, part of the matter. See you in a little bit. Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. Put yourself on a diet of cool people. That used to be a practice I started. It started 20 years ago with my clients. And it just means if the phone rings and your stomach feels sick, if your energy drops when you're around people, if you feel empty, if you're always paying all the time, that's probably a good indicator. So what I do, if they come my way, I call them vampires, I don't call them back. Sometimes I even delete their texts, and I had to practice that just recently. And you know what I realized? They were doing it to other people too, so they'll go find someone else. So why don't you hang out with people that lift your spirits, take the time to do things you want to do with the people that are already supporting you and loving you. So this week's tip is to be around people that lift your spirits and feel good being around. That's the Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. Do you feel stressed, exhausted, or burned out? Would you like to identify your unique warning signs and know what to do? Are you ready to learn how to calm your system and increase your energy so you are healthier, happier, and more productive? Learn from an expert. I transform my life from burnout to bliss, and you can too. Go to MarlaWilliams.net, click on Learn, and sign up for my Burnout Prevention Formula course and move from burnout to bliss in just six weeks or less. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Heart of the Matter. And I want to give a shout out. That music is from uh, Falana Goodrich. It's called Life of the Party, which seems kind of an anomaly for a conversation like that, but it is a party. And I'm all about celebrating life and getting some really good information here on what else I can do. I hope you are getting it as well. I'm going to welcome uh, back Anamika and Judy and introduce now Morgan Yarbrough. And Morgan is with us from Recompose.life. Um, 
But a little side story, uh, back in 2016, we were curating Orcas, uh, TEDx Orcas Island. And from the conversations about what Katrina Spade was conjuring for the Urban Death Project, we were able to invite her to come and speak at our TEDx Orcas Island. And Mika worked with Katrina as her speaking coach for that event. And we were so excited to have her on the stage. Um, we had Catherine McLean, who talked about psilocybin and uh, working through um, death as well. So this conversation is very resonant of that. And that TEDx talk went on to TED. And Urban Death Project is now Recompose.life. So Morgan, Welcome. It's really great to have you here. I'm going to let you tell us a little bit about uh, the organization, but a lot about what you do there. Absolutely. Hi, Gretchen. Thanks for having me. So Recompose is the first full service funeral home in the world to offer what's called natural organic reduction, which is the transformation of the human body after death into a nutrient rich soil that can be used to nourish new life. You can grow plants with it. And uh, as you said, Katrina kind of announced this idea on a larger platform in 2016, and I had the pleasure of seeing her talk in person in 2018 before I had even thought about joining Recompose or anything like that. I was working at a conventional funeral home. And after her, uh, her presentation, I thought to myself, I got to be a part of that, you know, never really thinking that I, I would be, but <laughs> here I am. Um, it's, been a, it's been a good yeah. journey. And, you know, we're located in Kent. Our greenhouse is here in Kent. It's about 15 vessels right now. And uh, the human body goes inside of this vessel for its transformation. And for every person who comes to recompose, the basics are the same. We get them into our care and then they are briefly shrouded. They're covered in a plant material. We speak a little bit about who that person was, even if the family is not watching and not present. And then we place them into a vessel with a greater amount of plant material. And over 30 days, this beautiful transformation happens. That person transforms into soil that the family can then take home or they can donate to Bells Mountain, which is a 700 acre forest conservation in Southern Washington. Absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. Every time I see that soil come out of the vessel, um, there hasn't been a time where I'm not just blown away at that transformation and it is so complete. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really is quite amazing. And not everybody chooses a ceremony, but Recompose does offer a ceremony. And this is something that we discuss with um, the family or the, you know, the person's community to see if it's something that they want. And when I first joined Recompose, my job was to create a ceremony for people who maybe didn't have um, any kind of religious or spiritual background in forming their ceremony or their funeral choices. And I thought to myself for a while, I, you know, recompose is based on the soil cycle and death and life are also cyclical in many ways. So I wanted to find a ceremony and to develop one that reflected that. So I thought for some time, I went back to my seventh grade science classes. <laughs> And I thought about the carbon cycle and it was this, you know, this just light bulb went off, which was a pretty cool feeling. And I studied that for a while and I picked out the elements of the carbon cycle that, that were relevant to recompose. Um, and I thought about how we might translate that into a ceremony to remind people of their place in this cycle. Mm 
to remind us that there is life and there is death in this cycle and the cycle that sustains us could not exist without these two things. And so the elements that I picked out are light, breath, plants, and soil. These are all elements in some way that are involved in the carbon cycle. And for those who don't know, the carbon cycle is nature's way of reusing carbon atoms. And carbon is the building block of life. Um, we're all made up of carbon. Our DNA is wrapped around it. And so no, knowledge of this cycle um, and connecting to it is to know that nothing is lost and that we continue on in life through the natural world. So we start with light. And in this ceremony, light represents warmth, really, the warmth generated by the natural organic reduction process. The microbes in your body, uh, once they start that activity of decomposition, they generate heat of up to 160 degrees. Mm. The vessel's not heated. Um, that's all natural. So nature, wow. nature is really good at death, right? It, it knows what it's doing. So light, warmth, that's our first element. Our second element is breath. The vessel is aerated in order to facilitate um, the composting process. And so breath is also quite centering, right? Every organism on this planet breathes or respirates in some way. So we're connecting back with that carbon cycle when we release our breath out. So for the ceremony participants, I take a moment and I center them and we breathe in and we breathe out and we connect with the rhythm of life. And so from there, we root ourselves through our breathing and we transition on to plants, our third element. Now, plants are everywhere, right? They support us in our life from our diet to the place that we go to find some peace to those of us like me who are avid house plant keepers. <laughs> um, they're everywhere. Mm -hmm. We couldn't live without them. And Recompose uses a lot of plant material in order to facilitate the composting process. Um, the result is a, over a cubic yard of soil. And that's due to all the plant materials that help with this process, with this transformation. So we acknowledge plants. And from there, I take some of the plant material and we have a moment where we play music. Um, usually the people who organize the ceremony from the family end choose a special song. And we lay that plant material down across the person's body. And that is preparation for placement in the vessel, but it's also a very significant moment to reflect and to prepare yourself for the transformation ahead. From there, the person is placed into the vessel while the music is still playing. And then the music ends, we usually have a little bit of uh, stillness while this is happening, just to kind of take in everything. And then we close by talking about soil. Soil supports life. Life couldn't happen without it. And your person, the form that you've known and been familiar with for so long, transforms, but it's not gone, right? They're in the soil. They are the soil. And all of their molecules that make up their body are still present. In a, they're going into life in a new way. And so while there is still grief and sorrow and a big, big absence from this loss, you know that maybe the next time you see a fern in your yard or a tree, or if you visit the mountain, your person is there. Again, they ran your life through the natural world. That is so exquisite, a beautiful, beautiful frame. And I can see you as a guide for that, Morgan. I feel 
really in good hands and <laughs> will be in your good hands at some point. I mean, Mika and I are definitely on board this train. Right. So <laughs> we'll take all my daughter. <laughs> and I would like to be of uh, this grove right here. And my husband does have a pickup truck. So I want all fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it, it is, uh, it is kind of funny because you have to have a pickup truck or a trailer if you want to take yep. home all that soil. And so you are in this, uh, the midst of the sacredness, right, of this, of receiving this soil and the beauty of, um, you know, our kind of honeycomb structure of the vessels and all the plants we have. But we're bringing out a forklift to tip up this massive bin of soil into a pickup truck and cover it with a tarp. So it's this really fun mixture of uh, the practicality um, combined with uh, the beauty and the sacredness right. of it all. It's perfect. It it's is. It's absolutely so <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now, I know that some when Judy was talking a bit about advocacy and uh, taking it to the next level with mm -hmm. the state, if you could just briefly tell us what states now uh, is Recompose operating in. Yeah, so uh, it is legal right now in uh, Oregon and Colorado. Um, they, those are the next two states after Washington to change the law. And we don't have facilities there yet, but we will have a facility sometime next year in Colorado. So that's our first place of expansion, and we're super excited for that. Um, and then there are bills in the works in Delaware, Massachusetts, and I believe New York. Um, and California was working on it. Um, it stalled, and it'll have to pick up again next year. Mm -hmm. um, but the really cool part is that, especially over in um, Delaware and Massachusetts, those are all community-driven. We did not start those. The communities there rallied and got their representatives to bring it forward. Right on. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, and on the website, so um, if people want to get more information, they can go to recompose.life. Um, but I know that you guys are doing a lot of social, so different mm -hmm. states that have these things in motion. Mm -hmm. um, how can people stay abreast of this or if they're wanting to advocate for this in their, in their own states? Can you give us any guidance on that? Yeah, so we have a public policy section on our website. You can go there um, to read a little bit more about our experience with that, but we also announce all updates through our newsletter. So if you go to recompose.life, click on the menu, just join the newsletter that way, or you can follow us on Instagram and we do post updates there on social media for those who partake in that. Wonderful. And again, I'll, on the show notes, I'll have everybody's website um, so that people can find them. But when we're doing our, our closing, if you want to give your websites, please do. So um, we're coming to the end of our time together. This conversation has been amazing. All too quick. There's more to say. So we're going to probably find ways to stay in touch. Um, but I do want to say that I've just finished a 12-month journey in uh, desk school with uh, a wonderful friend, coach, and colleague named Barbara Braham. And there were eight of us who took this 12-month uh, journey together, reading, um, talking, uh, gathering once a month. And we were invited at the beginning to do a six-word uh, poem and then when we closed, we did a six-word poem. So I'm going to uh, transition us with our Death School 2021. Powerful transition going back home. Through darkness and light, oneness ascends eternally. I will leave energy in my wake. Preparation for 
in anticipation of the mystery of life, present urgency, compassion, sadness, acceptance, peace. Liberating journey, transitioning into sacred soil, inviting all, no words, only openness. Beauty surrenders, the mystery revealed, glorious. So I want to thank you, um, Morgan Yarborough. Um, any parting comments for us as we close today? Yeah, thanks, Gretchen. As we close out today, um, I hope this has given our listeners a lot to think about. Um, and really the goal of Recompose is to bridge that gap between human life and nature and how deeply connected to it and to that cycle we are. So spend some time reflecting, maybe go to your favorite natural spot and just feel nature around you. Remember that you belong to the earth and we'll all return one day. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate it. Judy Kenny. Parting comments, thoughts. Um, talk with your loved ones about um, death and dying and hear what they have to say and open up that space um, to connect and listen and learn and share. Thank you, Judy. So appreciate it. And my Mika, um, parting comments, thoughts. Same thing, have those conversations and just tell your loved ones you love them like mm -hmm. enjoy the life you have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love to you thank you all for joining us for this conversation today benny i want to thank you for being with us on um lift your spirits radio this is heart of the matter my name is gretchen Kraft. And we're on Keiki NW 1150. Until next month, we'll talk about gratitude in November. Take good care. 